So what I would suggest is that obviously it has to be somewhat related to your business. But a couple of mistakes that people normally make is that they go too broad. So let's say you have an email marketing agency or email marketing software. You may be tempted to be like, we're going to start a marketing podcast because you're like, there's not enough people just interested in email marketing. And so then you go up against all of these other massive players with marketing podcasts that have bigger budgets and are essentially much better at podcasting than you. And you lose, you don't get any audience. So if you're the email marketing company, I would either start a podcast about email marketing or I'd go even more sub-niche to like open rates. And just the whole show, you just bring on an email marketing manager and talk to them about the tests they've done to build open rates. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Market Mentors Podcast. I'm Matt Dodgson, co-founder of Market Recruitment, and we connect B2B tech and SaaS businesses with marketers to help them grow. This week, we're joined by Tom Hunt. Tom is founder of Fame, a business that helps start and grow profitable podcasts for growth-focused B2B companies. So I can't think of a better person to discuss everything related to podcasting. Let's dig in, and I hope you enjoy. So welcome to the Market Mentors Podcast, Tom. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. Absolute pleasure to have you here as well. So before we get stuck into this one, I'd love to know a little bit more about your experience in podcasting. Yeah, for sure. So my first exposure to the world of podcasting was we go back to like 2016 and I leave the corporate world to start this startup. And it was essentially like a niche version of Upwork, like a freelancer marketplace, but just for Filipino virtual assistants. Anyway, we don't need to go into that. But what happened was like six months while I was waiting for the Egyptian development team to build the platform. And so my job was just to like find potential customers for the marketplace. And so what I did is I started a podcast called Zero to Four Million, a startup's bootstrap journey to a seven-figure exit. And it was a daily show where I would record or release a five to 10 minute episode Monday to Friday for seven months about how we were like building the company. Long story short, the business did okay. It was like quite hard to bootstrap. I was like stressed out, burnt out. So sold it for not very much, but the podcast was actually like did almost better than the business. I think we got like Ahrefs to sponsor it. I learned a shed load about podcasting, but also about the stuff that I was doing because I was teaching it essentially on the show. And there was the people in the audience that were like wanted to invest. It was just amazing. That was like my first experience. And then I didn't really touch podcasting again for a while until I was head of marketing at a B2B SaaS company in 2019. And we started a show, long story short, it was like very profitable for them. So I was like, I'm leaving. I would love for you to be the first client of my new podcasting company. And fortunately they said, yes, thank you very much. Shout out to Ebster. They're still a client. And I was the host of that show for like 200 episodes. We've taken that process we developed and then apply it to different industries. So now we've got this like, I believe, quite streamlined B2B podcast process. I'm happy to share like the whole thing here. Awesome. Well, I can't think of a better person to talk to about podcasting than you by the sounds of it. So you touched on sort of the success, but for people who are on the fence about starting a podcast then, why do you think they should just get on and do it? Talking specifically about like B2B service and SaaS companies, right? Absolutely. Obviously, like you're going to build an audience in theory and like expose your product to that audience. That's like the obvious benefit. But there are some hidden benefits that I think we should dig into that I think are potentially more powerful, especially in the short term. The first one is learning. And I'll explain this with an example. The reason we started podcasting that B2B SaaS company when I was head of marketing was because I joined and there was this new customer persona that I thought we should target. They sell sales software. And I was like, sales operations, like the people that do ops for salespeople, sales teams. I was like, this person is an ideal customer. So obviously as a marketer, I need to learn about them to sell to them. 
And so the show only started because I was like, I need to speak to these people. I used to message these people on LinkedIn to try and get them to like jump on a call with me just so I could ask them questions. Obviously, no one said yes to that. But then when I said, do you want to come on Sales Ops Demystified, which is the name of the show, they were like coming to our office and answer questions about their life as a sales operations manager. And so I learned a shed load about this person that obviously helped us when we were trying to sell to them at a later date. So I think a hidden benefit is learning. Second, I think is when you go through the process of like recording or like really collaborating with someone on a piece of content, you build a bond, a relationship. And so if you can be strategic about the people you bring on your show, whether they could be good customers or partners, obviously you can't like pitch them straight away, but you're going to be building relevant relationships in your industry that in theory should become profitable or get you an ROI in the future. So I think those two are the slightly hidden benefits that anybody listening who's like on the fence may like push them over. So it's A is learning and B is like essentially networking. Yeah, I mean, I love it. I speak to so many people like yourself, so many B2B marketeers out there. For me, it's an education as much as sort of getting value for the audience. So I definitely agree with your two points there. So let's say we've sort of decided to crack on with the podcast then. What advice would you give to people on what to talk about? Because I think sometimes they sort of overthink this. I think the easiest way to start a show, and if someone's like on the fence, you don't want to jump in and do some kind of NPR narrative style documentary podcast, because to be honest, if you don't have experience, it's going to be a complete shit show. And so let's just assume this person listening is going to start like an interview show, because that also helps with our two hidden benefits like learning and networking. So what I would suggest is that obviously it has to be somewhat related to your business. But a couple of mistakes that people normally make is that they go too broad. So let's say you have an email marketing agency or email marketing software. You may be tempted to be like, we're going to start a marketing podcast because you're like, there's not enough people just interested in email marketing. And so then you go up against all of these other massive players with marketing podcasts that have bigger budgets and are essentially much better at podcasting than you. And you lose, you don't get any audience. So if you're the email marketing company, I would either start a podcast about email marketing or I'd go even more sub-niche to like open rates. And just the whole show, you just bring on an email marketing manager and talk to them about the tests they've done to build open rates. Mm. So essentially choose the niche or the area, sub-niche, go down, try to get as niche as possible, and then just focus in on that. And then from there, like once you have the topic or the position of email marketing open rates, you can just ask the same seven questions on every episode. Then you don't have to prepare. And then the hidden benefit of that, this is pretty cool, is essentially what you're doing is building a database of structured data to answer these questions. And then at the end of the year, you can do like the email marketing open rate master report and you can like benchmark email marketing open rates, right? And so if you follow that process, I don't think you're going to run out of things to say. Yeah. And I think it's a little bit like starting a business, isn't it? Not to say that we've got it sussed at all, but you know, I think too often companies, software companies, SaaS companies just go too wide at the start. And because of that, then they can't really get traction with any of the personas that they're actually marketing to. And kind of what you're saying, you're applying the same sort of theory really to the podcast, which makes total sense. So this is a question I get asked quite a bit then. What about equipment? Let's say, you know, you want to get something off the ground. You don't want it to be too expensive to start off with. What equipment would you suggest we need then to get something off the ground that sounds okay? Yeah, I would just start with Zoom to record. So Zoom, you can do it for free if it's below 40 minutes. But I would also then record locally for your audience, the host, with some open source software called Audacity, completely free. And then I would just pick up a Blue Yeti for like 80 pounds. See, I have this here. And then I would probably just upgrade your webcam. So it's not like the standard Mac or laptop one. That costs like 50 pounds. 
So that's like £120 in initial investment. No ongoing investment because Zoom is free, Audacity is free. And that's what I start with. From there, obviously, you can spend like £200 on like a better mic, £200 on a better webcam. You can use Riverside like we are now for like getting better guest audio as well Mm. and better guest video. But to start with, I just keep it very lean because you don't want anything to get in the way. You don't want the cost to mount up. That's all I would do. I think people are surprised just how cheap it is. Yeah. I don't think you need to make much of an investment at all, really. So probably the second most popular question I get when I talk to marketeers is, okay, great, we're going to do a podcast. We've got the equipment, all this sort of stuff. How on earth do we get guests onto our podcast? Any suggestions there? Yeah. So the hardest time to book a guest is at the start when you don't have any guests at all. But it's only to have one guest, it gets easier. Mm. And so if you're going to start a podcast in the industry, I assume you have connections. So first you just bring your friends on. But then ask your friends, do they know anybody that you think is a good fit? And then as soon as you get like a big name, somebody that's famous in like the world of email open rates, then you're going to put the name of that person in all your other outreach Mm. to build social proof. And then from there, what I would do is search for your ideal guests. That If we take like the sales ops show, I would search for other sales ops podcasts, listen to a couple of episodes, find people who are good, reach out directly to them, be like, I heard you on this episode. Would you like to come on ours? Mm. But you'll get to a sweet spot after like 10 guests typically where the pipeline is rolling. You're asking every guest for a referral. You may even ask a question like, who in the world of email open rates would you most like to take for lunch? If you ask that to every guest, then that's another person you can reach out to. You could be like, we spoke about you on this episode. Would you like to jump on to talk about email open rates? Mm. And so there's stuff like that that you can like build into the process. So it's like this machine that can continually like spits off guests. And so the cold outreach, you only would have to do at the start to get the ball rolling. You typically get to that point after like 15, 20 guests, we find. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and I think some people sort of make the mistake of thinking about a topic first, getting the subject of the podcast set, right, we're going to do a podcast on this big topic here and then go and try and find the guests mm. rather than I think get the guests and then talk to them and think about, okay, what kind of subject are we going to do? I think the former, you just get bogged down too much, really. Yeah, it's called the, like, the topic-led or the guest-led strategy. The guest-led strategy is always easier to do, mm. especially when you're starting out. When you've got like a backlog of four guests and you're like comfortable with a weekly show, you've basically got a month, then you can be like, okay, I want to do a topic about this new story, and you can spend more time trying to find the perfect guest, etc. But mm. at the start, I would just use the guest-led approach. Yeah, and I like the idea where you get a really well-known guest in your industry and kind of use that as a lever. You know, Fiona started our podcast probably, what, two and a half, three years ago. So all credit to her. But, you know, she had Mm. Dave Gerhart on her podcast when he was sort of head of marketing at Drift. Mm. And people seeing his name as somebody who's been on our podcast immediately, it's almost like a magnet. Yeah, because there's no like AHRFs, at least that I know of, of podcasting. So it's very hard to see how many downloads a podcast gets. There are signals, like you can look at the show's rankings. If you have access to software, you can look at number of ratings or reviews. But most people that are deciding whether to come on podcasts are not doing either of those things. They're simply scanning the list and being like, do I know anybody here? Yeah. And if they do, or if they recognize anyone, they'll just say yes. Yeah. So what about the episode itself? And I mean, you talked earlier about getting a guest on and asking them seven similar questions. But in terms of format then, what sort of format would you suggest works better than others? Are there any formats that are the best to use? What about length of a podcast? How should people think about the actual format of the episode itself? Yeah, I think the answer lies in what we would call a listener persona. Like, who is the ideal person you want to listen to the thing? And then work backwards from what they want. Mm. Ideally, if you're starting the show around the niche that your business is in, ideally, you have customers already. So you can ask them, like, when you listen to a show, do you, like, listen to 90-minute massive, like, really deep interviews? Or do you, like, specific, actionable, like, 20-minute sessions? So typically, any length of podcast is going to come in between, like, 20 and 35 minutes, really. That's what we see. And then in terms of format, 
I am leaning more and more towards this like fame questions for every episode for, for the benefits are less prep time. And here's a higher level point, but the podcast is only going to be successful if you do it for longer than six months. And so you really need to eliminate as much bullshit as you can from the process. So it just happens. And so that's why I like this structured, the same questions in each approach. Benefit one, less time. Benefit two is that you build this database. So I would actually like recommend that I would like speak to a couple of the people who are your ideal customers, because that's the audience you want to get to listen, understand more about their podcasting habits or what their big problems are, then go out, find the guests, then build the questions, and then just have same questions and just build that guest pipeline. You make it sound so easy. <laughs> it's like my whole life. It's like yeah. building a podcast. For this so I guess I'd probably go over it quite fast. Any marketer, any marketing manager person should be able to set it up. It really isn't that hard. Yeah. Once you've recorded it then and you've launched an episode, it's out there. What do you think people can be doing then to sort of maximize reach, maximize engagement and, you know, make the podcast more successful? Yeah, this is like the holy grail. This is a big question, isn't it? Always start with retention. So retention is the foundation of growth. So you're trying to grow anything. Before you spend any time trying to find the new people, I would work out how we can keep the old people. And so Apple Podcasts gives average consumption of episodes on average over time. You want this to be going up. And how you do that is like you like listen back to your episodes, train your host, try and get them to remove any filler words, try and find better guests, try and get feedback from listeners. Just continually with every episode, try to make it like 1% better. Hmm. And then if you have the average consumption going up and like the content is slightly improving, now you're in a place where you can actually go out and try and find some more listeners. So we have like six promotion pillars. What's like the most impactful way to find new podcast listeners at the moment? I would say there's a couple of paid strategies. Should we go into those that are working quite well? Absolutely. Yeah. What we've been doing for every episode, we're going to create like four square images. And in the image, it's just like the guest face, branded saying branded podcast, and then a quote from the guest. Ideally, a very valuable, insightful, polarizing quote. We're going to create four of these. We're then going to go to a Facebook ad account and we're going to only target iOS devices on Instagram. And then from there, the targeting can be informed by what you know about your ideal listener. But you narrow that targeting, say for email open rate example, I think email marketing is a targeting in Facebook. So we target email marketing. And then we probably narrow that by podcasts. So we get people interested in podcasts. Then we're only targeting iOS devices. And so we're only going to get people on their mobile that like podcasts and ideally like email marketing. And then the ad copy is going to be very simple. It's going to say something along the lines of subscribe to the number one most downloaded email marketing podcast or the number one most downloaded email marketing open rates podcast. And then we're going to do something sneaky with the link. Apple Podcasts do this thing and we can link to this below because it's quite hard to describe, but you can produce a link that once clicked will automatically on the iOS device open up Apple Podcasts and then pop up with a little thing that has the RSS feed and a one button click to subscribe and become a follower of the show. And so this has been working really well. Admittedly, they have large budgets, but it's working really well. The show is ranking top 10 in the US in their category, not just by this strategy, but primarily because of this strategy. And so we're just going to run those. And then for every new episode we release, we're going to upload four new images, cut the ones that are not working. And then ideally, we get a few that work pretty consistently. And then ideally, that's just going to be feeding new followers into Apple Podcasts over time. Apple Podcasts, when they rank shows, they're looking at how many new followers a show has. It's not proven, but this is what most people think. They look at new followers a show has in a short period of time. And so if we're continually feeding these new followers into Apple Podcasts, then we're going to rise up in the rankings. Ideally, we're going to get higher than any other email marketing show in the marketing category. It might be hard to break to the top of marketing category because there's like really massive shows, but 
when we get into the top 50, we might get some extra organic because people are looking for email marketing podcasts, etc. So that's like one thing that's working quite well. I know we've got quite detailed there. I like it. Would you target them on Facebook because it's generally cheaper then rather than targeting them on, I, mean, I don't know what this show is, but if it was a B2B audience, would you still target them on Facebook rather than LinkedIn because it's cheaper? Yeah, we've had much more success with this show. Actually with any show, like I haven't really got this strategy to work well on LinkedIn because the clicks cost like £11.50. Yeah. And the targeting is probably more difficult, isn't it, I guess? Yeah, exactly though. So, I mean, by all means, anybody, please test that on LinkedIn and see if you can get it to work. With their own money. <laughs> yeah, with their own money. Mate, like this week or last week in Apple Podcasts Connect, they're showing followers. They never did this before. You can find how many followers you have in Spotify, in Google Podcasts, but not in Apple until like last week. So now this method is slightly easier to track. Before, you just have to look at plays. Mm. And you had no idea how many people were following, but now they just release that. So Awesome. So that was one play then. What was the other one? The other one. Now, this is a bit of a sneaky one. And so <laughs> if your business has like a good domain authority, you should be able to write a blog post. Well, I'd probably write two with our example. I'd write a blog post with the 17 best email marketing podcasts. And then I'd write one like the 13 best email marketing podcasts. So I create that blog post, make it bigger and better than any of the other examples. There may not be examples for that. You will probably rank number one for that pretty fast, depending on your domain authority, right? Hmm. And then obviously you're just going to put your show number one. Yeah. So that's something that I'm like sneaky, but is working quite well for most niches. Has like been responsible for growing some of our client shows pretty much by itself. So I do that. When you say domain authority, then what would you class as a sort of minimum domain authority for that to be effective? Are you got a figure in your head or? It obviously depends on the competitiveness of the search term. Yeah. I think with our example of Beth email marketing podcast, I really don't think that if that competitive, and so probably if you had a domain authority like above 30, you'd probably rank for that Fine. pretty fast. Okay, cool. Next one. Next one. So let's talk about partnerships. When we say partnerships, it's basically where you can get exposure to a relevant audience that someone else owns without paying for it. And so there are a few different ways to do this. I would, again, I would search the best email marketing podcasts, and then I'd email campaign monitor and be like, hey, first you just ask if they can put your show on the list. Sometimes that works. We call it partnerships because you're essentially getting access to Campaign Monitor's audience for free. Now, if they say no to that, maybe you're like, okay, we'll give your blog post a different blog post to backlink on our site. And then if they say no to that, then maybe you can be like, okay, we'll pay you $50. And so then you'll get the show on that list. And then so ideally, all of these lists that you're seeing, hmm. it's either yours or your show is on there. So I do that. And then all of the other email marketing shows out there, I would email them and be like, hey, loved your episode with X. Can we get our host on your show? I want to talk about this specific problem that I know your audience are going to love. And we're going to promote the episode to make it one of your most downloaded. And then your host goes on as massive value. And then at the end, when the host is like, where can people find you? They can be like, yeah, come to the best podcast in email marketing. We only talk about open rates. So I do that. So that's the second <laughs> thing. Maybe that's the only two I have in my head at the moment. But the concept is, yeah. who else has an audience of potential listeners? And then how can you get access to the audience for free? You're thinking about it from a content marketing perspective, aren't you? As I'm sort of hearing you talk through it. Okay, it's a podcast, but essentially it's a piece of content. Yeah. And you're thinking of it in the same way you would think about a blog, a video, whatever it might be, which is really interesting. I think some people think because it's a podcast, it should be treated differently. But those were awesome. Absolutely awesome. So... The title then, we had a key word in there, which was profitable then. And we talked mm. a little bit about things like measurement. And obviously, you know, Apple are bringing in a few more bits and bobs, which makes it a little bit easier to sort of measure stuff. But what do you think people should be doing then to make sure it's actually profitable? Yeah. So in the long term, ideally, you're going to build this audience. And I would rarely pitch to the audience in the content. 
Mm. Like you just want to improve their lives. If you improve their lives, they'll either come to you when they need to buy your thing or they're going to tell their friends. The problem with that is like it's hard to measure it's really long term. Mm. So what I would do probably after six months, once I do have like an okay audience that's growing, is I might put a cheeky little ad at the start just to explain like, hey, this podcast is brought to you by X. Here's what we do. Drop an email to us if you want to chat about it. So I do that. Then you may start being able to measure more of an ROI from the listener side. In the short term, and here's actually why that podcast was really profitable for the first one we started, was that by the nature of that we were bringing on our ideal customers, I was building relationships with these people. Our 13th guest was the VP of sales ops at like a SaaS company that everyone knows. He got randomly chatting to the CEO afterwards and like four months later bought all of our software for the whole sales team, like 180 people. And so that's why the show is so profitable. But again, like you can't pitch directly because then the person is like, they only wanted me on the show because they wanted to pitch, not because I'm an expert. Hmm. So short-term ROI will probably come from the guest side, whether it's a potential customer or a potential partner. Hmm. And so we are going to bring on, like not every guest, but if we're strategic about most of the guests we bring on, e.g. they could be potential customers or partners, and then we make sure the guests have an amazing experience, hmm. then at some point in the future, there's probably going to be something like good that's going to happen from that. Whether they hmm. tell their friends about you, whether they reach out and be like, yep, I want to promote your thing for an affiliate commission. And so if you just find like the top 20 experts in email open rates, you bring them on the show, they have an amazing experience. You build a bond, like good things are going to happen. Hmm. And so that is in the short term, typically where we're going to see more of an ROI. And if we do that right, then you're going to be more confident. You're going to love the show because it's bringing you so much value. You're going to put more effort into it. That's going to build the audience side better, increase hmm. the ROI there when you have a bigger audience you're going to get better and bigger guests and it's just a flywheel that keeps turning right yeah so yeah long-term audience short-term guest relationships and do you think people just shouldn't be thinking of it like a paid ad campaign as in try and put that to one side try and put the fact that it's going to cost you some time it's going to cost you some money not too much you're ultimately in week two week three week four not going to suddenly see a huge inbound of stuff coming in just be patient put that to one side a bit like you would do sort of SEO, thought leadership kind of stuff, and just trust the process. Yeah. Rather than thinking, hey, look, we've got to have a return within two months, otherwise we're just going to can it. Yeah, exactly. Like more like six months to a year. Trust the process. But you also want to make sure it's going well, right? And so how you can tell it's going well is two ways. First, you just want to ensure that after like month two or three, the total downloads in the month are growing, mm. ideally by 10%, but any growth is good. Mm. So if the downloads are going up, that's a good sign. The other thing you want is qualitative feedback that's from the guests, but also ideally from listeners. So when you post it on LinkedIn, if someone comments and be like, love this episode, or if someone DMs you and say, like, really enjoyed the episode, you want a couple of these comments like every month. Mm. So if you have those two things, you're doing well, just keep going, and then you probably will get a return at some point. Yeah, I use the word lurkers sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, certainly with our podcast, because we're a recruitment company, I think a lot of people don't necessarily want to sort of publicize that they are kind of following us but you get a lot of lurkers people phoning you up people sending me a dm saying look that was a good episode i really enjoyed it so that makes sense good stuff right i think we're pretty much through it aren't we so it's final question and any last bits of advice for future or existing podcasters i have my pen and paper ready <laughs> yeah what do i think is the most interesting thing at the moment I think that a really interesting activity to do, this is for any host, is to take the transcript, and you get someone on your team to do this, but then do a control F in the transcript of an episode for like filler words. And this could be like, right, um, are, uh, you know, okay. And then count them up, find the one that you say the most, 
And then the challenge for your next episode is for you to just not say that filler word. And then maybe do that for a couple more and then it'll be eliminated. And then you can move on to the next one. And this is going to make you not only a better podcast host, but over time you're going to be a more effective communicator. So that's an activity that we like to do that is like quite fun, but also is going to improve your communication skills. Excellent. Well, look, I find it fascinating. I absolutely love podcasting myself. You know, it's great talking to you, having done a daily podcast, and now you're obviously running two businesses linked to it. But if people want to get in touch with you, Tom, what's the best way of them doing it? You can just DM me on LinkedIn, Tom Hunch, or Twitter. That's the best way. I actually kind of do have a podcast. It's kind of on hold. I'm like, the business is going too much, but it's going to come back. It's called Confessions of a B2B Marketer. How about that for a name? Awesome. And then Fame and Bcast. If you search for those, you'll probably find what we do. Tom, you're an absolute star. Thank you very much. Thanks, Matt. So that's it for another episode of the Market Mentors Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, then please leave a review as that helps the channel going forward. Until next time.